but you get these turning points in life or these decisions where you say, God, if I didn't make that decision, my life would be completely different. We are right at the cusp of something huge. We are at a crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. Hi, everyone. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and this is a unique special episode of The Growth Show. We are in person today with Victoria Ransom, who was the founder of Wildfire and a former director of product for Google. Uh, thank you so much for being here with us today. Pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Uh, so you've had a couple of really big life changes. In 2012, mm -hmm. um, you sold your company, which you started from the ground up, to Google. Why then? Why was that the right moment? Mm -hmm. Is it just that when Google comes knocking, you sell? Or mm -hmm. did it also feel right for the company? Uh, so it did definitely feel right, but the truth is we weren't looking to be acquired at all and it came as a bit of a surprise. Um, in fact, we were sort of quietly making or slowly making preparations for maybe going public and we were looking to add more board members so that we could do that. Uh, we wouldn't have been ready uh, right away, but perhaps in the next year or two. Um, what happened is, uh, and it wasn't Google initially, but a couple of different companies came to us. Interesting. And initially they were talking about partnerships, but it very quickly we realized, oh, actually, they're interested in acquiring us. So, so really what happened is we got a couple of term sheets um, and Google came in pretty late into the process. Uh, so then we had this you know, interesting decision in front of us, which is one, do we want to get acquired? And two, who do we want to get acquired by if, yeah. if we want to get acquired? For us, it ended up being a fairly clear decision. Uh, there was a lot of consolidation happening in our space. Uh, a number of companies actually got acquired in our space around the same time. Uh, and it just felt like if we fast forwarded to where, where the industry was going, that um, there was sort of a need to consolidate different marketing technologies. It's so fragmented in terms of all these different companies offering all these sort of slithers of your marketing Point needs. solutions. Point solutions. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of companies that were trying to bring together more solutions. Um, and we believed um, that joining with a, a bigger player was the right thing to do. In terms of Google, it ended up being a Felt like a pretty easy decision as well, yeah. just because it was, uh, you know, such a respected company, uh, such a great cultural fit. They were located just down the road from us. Uh, they gave us a fabulous offer, so that really helped as well. Um, so in the end, it was not, it was an unexpected choice to make, but it was not a super difficult choice. It felt like the right choice. Now, it wasn't a decision that you made by yourself. You had co-founders yep. and other people involved in that, um, that decision. Yep. Can you tell me what that conversation was like? Yeah. Um, so particularly my co-founder, obviously, that was a really big decision for us. Um, and then we had some senior people in the company and board members that were aware, but we did have to keep it pretty closed door in terms of who knew. Um, you know, the, uh, it's sort of fun to tell the story, I guess, of how it happened with Google um, uh, because it was all very fast. Like I said, we already had offers on the table um, and the from pretty much the first time we heard from Google to when we had a term sheet on the table was uh, a week. Wow. Um, so they were very smart and very aggressive. Um, we had meetings uh, with sort of uh, a bunch of product people and then two days later they pulled us in on a Sunday to meet with very senior leadership in Google. Uh, and then the next day uh, we met with even more senior people and at the end of that meeting they said, we're gonna give you a term sheet, come back in tomorrow. Uh, so we did and they handed us a term sheet and. It was a great offer and my co-founder and I had to be very careful not to look at each other, <laughs> not to react. We looked like we were totally nonplussed. Um, 
Uh, and then just I another day at the office. Yeah, and then leaving that meeting and jumping in the car together and just saying, oh, my God, can't believe it. Um, so I guess that drive back to the office was kind of a critical conversation. Um, but, but, but I'd say at that point we'd come around to the idea that being acquired was the right thing. Mm-hmm. And then when that um, offer came in from a great company and it was a good offer, it, it wasn't at that point a really long discussion because I think we'd had a bit of a journey along the way. Yeah. Is now the right time? Who would we want to get acquired by if we could? That sort of thing. So. Now, when you have a pretty momentous moment like that, so I'm picturing you guys getting back in the car <laughs> after that you know, discussion and being like... <gasps> What do we do oh now? God. Like, do we do we go back to the office? Do right. we go for ice cream? Right. Like, do do you just kind of carry on with your path, or do you take a moment and kind of absorb what's happening? You know, in that case, we I remember we sat in the parking lot. I think we got out of the Google parking lot as quickly as we could because we didn't want someone to see <laughs> us, uh, and drove back to our own office. I remember sitting in the parking lot in our in our own office for a while talking, and then we went back into the building and continued um, because one, you've got lots of business. You've got a business that you need to run and you need to keep going. And just and acquisitions can be extremely distracting. Yeah. And they're risky because they often fall through. Um, so I think it's actually really critical you keep your eye on the ball. Um, and then the other thing is y- you need your team to think it's business as, no- as normal, so business as usual. Um, so, yeah, I think we had a conversation in the car and then we got back inside and we went back to work. How long before you could tell your team? Uh, it was. So this was a quick process right through and through. But from uh, that point of, of um, getting a term sheet to when we could actually tell the team, we had to wait for the deal to close. Um, it was a couple, a couple of months, I think. Um, and we did a, you know, the, the team that knew did a really good job of keeping it under wraps so it didn't leak and didn't leak to the press. It was so exciting when we could tell the team. We, uh, not every acquisition is received well by yeah. teams. In our case, we were really lucky that the team was thrilled. We... Um, what we did actually is on a Tuesday, we called every, I sent an email out and said, we're having a special meeting, everybody meet in 15 minutes, which was unusual, so everybody was already buzzing. Yeah. And then I, I got up and I said, um, well, we have some news for you, but first we're going to play a, a slideshow. And someone from our team had done this fabulous job creating a slideshow That's that so showed cool. photos of the whole wildfire journey um, right from it. had a photo actually of my co-founder and I driving up from Boston on a road trip, which is when we first sort of started the company right up to the you know the babies that had been born during the time of the company and the, the people that had got married just sort of the whole personal story of wildfire yeah. and people got up at the end of that crying cheer because the last image was an image of google lo- google's logo and wildfire's logo coming together that's all it was but people totally got what it was and uh it was you know really one of the most emotional exciting moments of my life yeah i love that because i mean you start a company and you do. You see people grow up in your company. Mm-hmm. You see them go through major life changes. And I think about that a lot with HubSpot, too. Um, I think that, you know, I've I've watched people have their highest highs and their lowest lows yeah. all in the matter of business. And it becomes this it it's becomes much bigger than, yeah, yeah. than just a, a job, especially yeah. if it's yours. Very much so. And what's nice to know is that even though wildfire the company doesn't exist anymore and it's been absorbed by google that family feeling very much still exists yeah and so um so many of the wildfire employees are really close friends and i see them hanging out all the time we had a reunion um uh about six months ago we had huge turnout and it was just like old times we've had uh some of our first wildfire babies born so people that were met at the company got married and had babies so it's really nice to know that that actually lives on uh, much longer than the actual company. Yeah. Is that something you thought about before you got into starting companies, before you got into entrepreneurialism? Uh, not, not, 
that aspect, I didn't know that that aspect would be the most rewarding aspect of the whole business. Um, and I and initially we weren't super conscious about the culture we wanted to create. That evolved over time a little bit, but we but we did over time realize how critically important that was and what a competitive advantage it was for us to be able to create a really um, a really wonderful company culture where their employees were super passionate and super loyal and super excited about what they were doing. So we, we realized that that was actually one of our strengths, but we didn't know that going in. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Um, so, okay, so tell me about your first day at Google. Mm -hmm. um, you, you drive up, you go back to that parking lot. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's maybe a little anticlimactic because the first day we were still in our office. They didn't uh, move us right away. Yeah. So it took a... Uh, they did move us quite, Google moved us quite quickly, I think within three weeks. We had moved to a new building uh, at Google. Um, and so it was a bit of a process of like, it wasn't from day one that things changed. And actually I'd say Google did a good job of, of really letting us um, kind of absorb naturally into the company. We, we initially were in our own building, then we moved to the Google campus, but we had our own building with all the Wildfire employees. So it actually didn't feel that different, huh. um, not in a jolting way. Over time, it started yeah. to feel really different. And over time, you started to realize, oh, there's this way of doing things that we now need to learn and we need to get approvals for this. And those sort of things started to feel a little different. Um, but probably the most exciting things initially were the perks that you get at Google. So, you know, we'd never had free food uh, for the company and suddenly we had a cafeteria, a wonderful cafeteria in our mm -hmm. building. And we had uh, masseuse in the building next door and a gym. Uh, in, in another building and so the perks were probably what the team got really excited about initially. Sure, yeah. yeah. What about the harder transitions, going to a bigger company? Yeah. What kind of felt more like a struggle? Yeah, the, the harder things were the sort of the things I just briefly alluded to with process. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very natural but it, initially it takes a little while to understand why there's what seem like blockers yeah. uh, in the way in terms of uh, approvals for, for releasing code or approvals for legal approvals or, you know, getting a contract done took so much longer than it used to at Wildfire. Sure. All of those kind of things were a little hard to get used to. Um, and then the other thing that was hard, I think, is just figuring out how to get things done inside of a big company. Like, who do you talk to? It's not like there's one person that you talk to and you get decisions made. Um, and Google has had a pretty hands-off approach with our acquisition. So there was some challenging times sort of figuring out what is expected of us here? Yeah. What does success look like? What are the actual goals of this acquisition? Um, and so th th those little bit existential sort of questions were probably the most challenging, pretty normal path of the course for an acquisition, I think. But yeah. those are the ones that, you know, when you're before you're acquired, you chart your vision and you chart your path and you're pretty clear about that. Sometimes, you know, you, you waver, but mostly you're really clear and you know exactly why you're there and what you're doing. You have to rethink all of that when you're acquired and, and it's always tough when you're not clear on exactly what you're doing and why yeah. you're doing it. Does that feeling ever go away or is there always a tinge of that? Uh, after an acquisition? Yeah. Uh, in our case, I would say it, it didn't completely go away. Yeah. Yeah, it was always, and there are a number of different reasons for that, but um, I think we found our footing, but it took a while and it was never, um, it was never sort of as clear as when we were independent, I think. So after three years? Mm -hmm. At Google, mm -hmm. you guys have decided to leave your position and head off to kind of a new stage of your life, mm -hmm. a new adventure. Yeah. Um, can you tell me about the the conversations leading up to that decision? And mm -hmm. again, it, every, so much of this, the common theme I feel like in all of this is you sort of have your a really keen sense of timing, and you mm -hmm. have a really keen sense of 
the ecosystem around you. Mm-hmm. Why is now the right time um, to break off and, and mm-hmm. have a bit of an adventure? Um, well, so for us, we, we made a commitment to be with Google um, for you know a period of years, and, and we did that. And I feel like so so we'd we'd done our time at Google. We felt like we'd done the right thing. We worked really really hard to to integrate the company to f- to make sure that our team was a good in a good space. So I felt like uh, from that standpoint, you know, I felt okay about yeah. if we left, we we were not leaving anyone in the lurch. So that timing was good. Um, from a personal level, the timing was good in that both my husband and I were in a position where we could leave our jobs. We have a young child that's not in school right now, so mm-hmm. we're very free. Uh, had always dreamed of being able to take time out and travel. So we realised that there's a window of opportunity and once you've got children in school um, or even preschool, that window just starts to go away. So there was that. And then I think, you know, after our time at Google, we had a, I respect Google deeply. It's a really yeah. wonderful company. Um, but I think we'd realised that we, we, we're we more entrepreneurs. We, we like to do our own thing. So wasn't uh, had made that call that we didn't want to continue climbing the ladder at Google. Um, uh, but also um, was not ready to jump right back into doing our own thing. Yeah, uh, because I really feel like it's I'm in a we're in a really lucky position where we can actually take a little bit of time out and uh, sort of just think a little bit about what we want out of life and and what we want to achieve next. Um, so for all of those reasons, it felt like now is a good time. Um, and interestingly, by by the time we are done with with sort of taking some time out and want to focus on building another business again, it wouldn't surprise me if we're in a bit of a downturn in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And we started Wildfire in a downturn, and I actually think that's a really great time to start a business for a whole bunch of reasons. So in that respect, maybe we'll, you know, it'll be familiar territory and, um, and, you know, it might be a good time for us to start something new if we strike on the right idea. So there's a ton in what you just said that I want to dig okay. into. I want to st- stick on the respite, the the vacation uh-huh. or time with your family that you are spending right now. Um, I think that so often we're focused on like, what's next? What's yes. the next thing? Yes. What's the next thing? Do you get a lot of pressure from people who maybe don't understand the mm-hmm. respite to to you know start a new company right away or? Um, want to know what you want to do next? Certainly get asked a lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot. Everybody wants to know what we want to do next. And, um, you know, lots of people and uh, VCs and have been reaching out. Um, I feel like it takes some fortitude to be able yeah. to look at them and say, I'm doing, yeah, we'll I'm just, just traveling. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. we'll see, you yeah. know? You know, it, it does, actually, and even for yourself. But what I keep telling myself is when we started Wildfire, that was absolutely a non-conventional thing to do. It was mm-hmm. 2008. Uh, you know, the economy was tanking. Uh, people were scrambling to get jobs. I just was graduating from business school. Uh, nobody was, basically nobody was, you know, graduating and going and starting their own thing. Yeah. Um, and, and when I left, actually the same thing happened. I worked in uh, Morgan Stanley right out of college. And then in two, September 2001, right in the middle of a big recession, I left to start a travel company. Mm-hmm. So I guess I've always done things a little differently and tried to take risks and tried not to be influenced by what others think about me and what others think I should be doing. So I keep telling myself that and saying that's worked so far. So let me try to continue carving my own path and and not walk to what others might expect me to do. And, you know, if it's worked so far, hopefully that'll continue working. So, yeah. But it does. It, um, you know, it's hard not to be swayed by others' expectations, I think. Uh, and it helps to have a partner who's in Absolutely. it with you. For sure. That really does help. Yeah. You uh, mentioned that you like to start companies in a downturn, <laughs> uh, which I think is fascinating. Um, yeah. 
what is it about that time? Is it, yeah. you know, is it that nobody else is right there with you? Mm-hmm. Is it that um, that's when inspiration strikes because there's yeah. a vacuum? Yeah, I think a few reasons. And obviously I'm biased because I have started companies in a downturn and it, and it worked it out. Worked, Maybe yeah. if, if I'd started a company during a real up period, I would say that's the time. But there is actually studies that have shown that some of the very best companies have been born out of recessions. Um, I think for a few reasons. One is I think it's easier to hire great people. Mm-hmm. Um, another is you can – there's just not so much um, capital available. So I think you can be a little more um, focused. You, you can – afford to grow a little slower probably um and you can just be focused on being more prudent and thoughtful about how you grow the company uh we were you know wildfire was an unusual story in that we uh we grew very fast and quite big we were a team of 400 people with very little capital we raised very little capital yeah um and i i liked that about our business i liked the fact that we had to be really capital efficient but if we were running a business now or you know last year we couldn't have done that because all of our competitors would have been raising tons of money and they would have been marketing like crazy and they would have been outspending us and we couldn't have afforded to do that as it turned out in our industry we did have competitors that that raised a lot more money than us yeah um and so that was an interesting dynamic to try to manage that but it was not the same as as what's been happening sort of over the last couple of years um uh and and you know i think uh you're probably end up with a few some fewer competitors we had a lot of competitors in our space but um you know right now when there's easy money to be had and easy money to be raised then you just get many more people uh competing um so for all of those reasons i think it just aligned well with kind of my philosophy for running a business when you do decide to start a new business whether it's a year from now two Mm -hmm. years from now um will you and your husband be founding together is that something that like that's the package deal now you guys start businesses together or would you do something independently so I mean TBD and we'll see what we both end up deciding to do but it's worked very very well to run companies together Mm -hmm. we're a really good team and we enjoy that Um, we have very complementary skill sets so I think that's that's certainly what we would like to do yeah Um, but time will tell you've you know you you can't just decide to start a business you actually have to come up with an idea that you're excited about and I think for us the bar will be pretty high in terms of um, you know what 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 will excite us enough that we really we know how hard it is to build a company it is really hard and it's a lot of work so it's gonna have to be something where we can really clearly answer why are we doing this yeah Um, what 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 are we really excited about um so we hopefully will find what that is and we may not and if not there's lots of other interesting paths that that uh that we could explore how do you handle time on the road you know you just got back from japan (laughs) Is your mind completely clear during those trips? Are you thinking about you know fields or businesses that might interest you, or do you really treat it as a a time to be completely separate? Uh, up until now, I've tried to keep a pretty clear mind. We're still fairly early into this. We're going to take a year off, mm-hmm. and and uh, actually really deliberately wanted to just really take a step back at the beginning, uh, possibly as we. I think as we get more towards the being ready to jump back into something, then we want to be a lot more proactive about researching industries talking with companies sure um but we almost didn't want to come up with a, a new idea yet because if we did then then the travel would be done and yeah i just jump in and do it and it could so. be too rooted in older ideas right, right. if yeah. you don't have enough space it's possible that you're just reinventing what you already know i totally agree with that i'm a big believer in the idea that you know the best ideas for companies are born out of just some kind of experience that you have and so the more you can put yourself into new experiences i think travel is one great way to do that uh the, the more inspiration you're yeah getting. i totally agree with that 
All right. So tell me, let's say there's someone listening and they're burnt out mm-hmm. and they need a break and they, mm-hmm. they need to take that respite. They need to take a year, which is not to say that you were burnt out, but no. um, where would you have them go? Oh, like what's what's your travel? You started a travel industry. Yeah, you, yeah. Um, you oh, know, about to do a bunch. So dependent on on who you are, because actually the travel that we just got back from Japan and um, uh, we spent a bunch of time in New Zealand, and then we're going to go to Europe. It's a different kind of travel than I would be doing if I didn't have a twenty month mm-hmm. old. So I think where you are at in your life makes a big difference. Um, probably if. I was totally flexible and independent. I have not traveled much in Asia, and I'm, there's a whole bunch of countries. And I mean, I feel like it's kind of cool that you've got this global perspective that's developing that's being reinforced by travel mm-hmm. and by the people that you're encountering. Uh, is that something that you're trying to, I know she's still young, but mm-hmm. like instill in your daughter? Where does that come from, the need to be so tied to a global community? Uh, I, ho- I hope that's going to be really important for my daughter. Um, for me, I grew up in a small rural community in New Zealand. I didn't travel outside of New Zealand, um, aside from one short trip to Australia until I was 17 years old. I got on a plane and uh, traveled to the United States because I had a scholarship to study at an international school in the US. Uh, but from that point, and actually the school that I went to was, uh, we were 200 students from 90 different countries. Wow. So it blew my mind. You yeah. know, I grew up in a tiny rural community at my school that I went to. I uh, had 30 students in it. Uh, to go from that to uh, school in the United States with students from 90 countries, it just completely opened me up to a whole new world. And at that point, I started doing a lot of travel. And I truly believe I learned more through travel than I ever learned in school or any kind of education. So I'm just a big believer in the power of meeting people from different cultures and exposing yourself to different countries to um, help you get inspired, help you understand others' lives better, help you understand yourself better. I don't know, I just was always a kid that wanted to strive for a little bit more and for adventure and my parents really encouraged me to do that. My parents were wonderful. They wholeheartedly supported me in that even though a lot of, I think, their friends thought, what the heck are you doing? Um, So yeah, that's what I did and and that totally changed the course of my life. My plan at that point prior to that had been to study uh, in New Zealand. I think I wanted to be a doctor and Mm -hmm. that's maybe what I'd be doing, which would be fine. That would be great too, but... um, Still time. Totally, yeah, <laughs> I guess if I wanted to go back to school. Um, uh, but I think that you get these turning points in life or these decisions where you say, God, if I didn't make that decision, my life would be completely different. I think there are a lot of them, but that's one of those really big ones for me. Yeah. What else would you look at and be like, that That was a pivot point. That was important. Uh, the wildfire. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a few of them. So the um, going to the international school was absolutely huge. I would say quitting investment banking and starting a travel company was really huge in that uh, it was just took me off that sort of more traditional corporate path and um, ended up, you know, a successful business, but not a wildly successful business, but it got me on that entrepreneurial path. And Yeah, because that's actually a bigger shift. I wondered about a that big too. Shift. That's a pretty big shift, <laughs> yeah. even more so than going from a founder to working for a bigger tech company. It's yeah. like you are leaving the, the yeah. investment world. Yeah, it was, and from New York. We went from New York and moved to New Zealand to start the company to a little ski town called Wanaka. Mm-hmm. Um so that was a huge shift. And at the time, um, you know, 2001, they were going through round after round of layoffs in the investment banking industry. And so people were holding on to their jobs. Um, That's so a scary a time. Shift. But, you know, especially at that age, I was in my early 20s. It just felt like, I always felt like, what have I got to lose? Like, yeah, I have a, I have a degree from a decent university. If this doesn't work out, I'll go and get a job. It's a big deal, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be a couple of years behind my friends who continued on the ladder and I didn't. 
so what? It's worth the risk. It just always felt like the, the risk actually wasn't that high. Yeah. Has that changed at all? You always hear about how, you know, the, the nothing to lose changes when you become a parent yeah. or when you have a little bit more experience. Probably, well, I think it would. I think in fairness, when you're a parent, uh, money is precious and, um, you know, you need to provide and time becomes really precious. And so, yeah, I, I think it's easier when you're in your 20s and you're single or, or you know, you're in a couple but you have no children. I do yeah. think that that's probably easier to make risky decisions. Yeah. On the flip side, I wonder if being a parent gives both you and your husband more perspective. Yep. I think so, yeah. I mean, now I think, you know, and I know many, many, many people that are uh, running very successful companies, women and men, um, with young children. So it can absolutely be done. But I think in terms of when you evaluate the riskiness because it just wouldn't be as risky for us to start a business now we've we've yeah that's true actually there's a whole lot of reasons why it's not yeah. as risky as it was back then uh people believe in you you've you're established we have a bunch of contacts yeah absolutely we know people in, in the industry uh we have financial resources uh so it doesn't feel like a risky decision anymore it feels much more like a just a, a time management decision yeah like, you know i know how much work it is you have to put your heart and soul into it how do you do that while putting your heart and soul into your family as well. And you're, so. you've, you've got to love it. Like, you can't go down that path. I yes. mean, you can, but yes. you, you can't really go down that path and be like, oh, actually, I'm kind of bored with this right. stuff. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you bring a lot of people with you when you go on that kind of a journey. Yeah. So you owe it to them to make sure you're really committed. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you're taking a full year. I yeah. think it's, like, remarkable. I think it's so smart. Well, it's lucky. First of all, it's, it's fortunate, and I really recognize that. But, yeah, I think... Too many people, and you said it before, just rush in from one thing to the next, and then they get into it and realize, oh, I think it's worth people really taking the time to make decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, Victoria, thank you so much. It's been really great to hear the stories, and thank you for coming on the show. Thanks very much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to our show. As always, we would love to hear your feedback. Tell us what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. 